Hi, I'm Mark Rennick. This is Victory Over Sin. But when we refuse to expose that sin, what we're really saying is, instead of killing this sin, I'm going to coddle it. Instead of fighting this sin, I'm going to protect it. And I'm going to leave it over here in the dark where it can keep surviving and keep growing and go deep into my heart. If we want to kill that sin, we have to expose it. We have to bring other people in. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust, sweat, blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows, in the end, the triumph of high achievement? And who, at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls. We neither know victory nor defeat. Good Saturday afternoon to you. My name is Mark Rennick. Welcome to Victory Over Sin, sponsored by Systemic Change of Idaho. And what you've just listened to is the man in the arena speech credited with uh, by Theodore Roosevelt. That was not Theodore Roosevelt, per se, but that was an adaption. I actually kicked around the idea of reading that out loud, but that adaption is much, much, much more powerful. Uh, and it points to the fact of what we're attempting to do here at Victory Over Sin and the systemic change of Idaho is to talk about how we can actually change things within the Department of Corrections and how the state of Idaho views people who have been incarcerated. That's I love that speech. It kind of, I'm going to give some credit to my friend Michelle McMillan. Last night we were at Peer Wellness Center and we were waiting for the group to start. And she and I both have a... a person that we like to listen to and we like to uh, engage um, in terms of our groups. And her name is Brene Brown. She's a social worker out of the University of Houston. And so we had one of her videos in, and Brene credits this verse in terms of her getting involved in the system and her being an advocate for what she believes in. And I think it's very powerful that we as individuals understand that you need to get involved in this system. If you're listening to my voice and you're in the desert, you're out there and you're a good Christian person and you think that potentially you need to be involved in making things better for returning citizens, then this is a way to get motivated to do that. You need to get into the arena. You need to get there and fight with us in terms of making things work. Uh, so, and this is one way that's powerful. Systemic Change of Idaho is looking for those kinds of individuals to come forward and share with us the ideas that they think can make life easier for those of us who have been incarcerated and who are on parole. And this is a way to do it. So, there's a couple of ways that you can get involved. You can bring us your issues and you can stop by Pure Wellness Center where we have an office at 963 South Orchard, Suite 101. You can drop in there and look for myself or look for Tony Roberera, who is my co-chair. We've got an office in there. You can do that anytime. You can come to one of our Victory Over Sin meetings, which meets in that same building every Tuesday and Wednesday night at 7 p.m. and come to the group. That is made up of people who are 
We build that as an alternative to recovery programs. It's a Christ-centered recovery program in terms of people coming in to address those things in their lives. It's made up of a lot of people who have been in the system. Not everybody has been in the system, but if you're there, come in and take a look. You can do that. Or you can drop me a line at my nonprofit, which is IMSI Hope Community Phase 2. The address there is 1775 West State Street, Suite 191. Or you can give us a call there at uh, area code 208-629-8861. I will put the plug in if you're out there in the desert and you think we need to address something, you can call me and I accept those telephone calls. Uh, The other way that you certainly... um, might get involved with too, is to go to a website. Look up systemicchangeofidaho.com. We've got a new website up now. We have a strong Facebook page now under Systemic Change of Idaho. Go in there, like that. We try to post those kinds of things and keep people informed. The website will develop as we go further along. We've got people working on that. It's a work in progress, so it's not the greatest right now, but it will be. So look up Systemic Change of Idaho. And let us know if you want to be on that mailing list for that group too, because we've got a big meeting coming up. Hopefully in February, we're going to have a general public. We're looking for a venue right now that's big enough to uh, kind of enhance our steering committee. And let's get involved with that. So those are the things that are coming up. And I think in primarily what we're, again, we're looking for and we're excited about is that we really don't know who these people are. We're looking for people like you potentially to get involved. Let's say you've been in the system. You feel in your heart the need to come forward and start addressing some of these things in your life and you want to get involved, this is a good way to do it. We're going to train people to become speakers where they go out into the world and out into Idaho and share the message of being incarcerated. We're going to give them systematic kind of presentation that they're going to present to people and we're hopefully going to change things for those of us who have been incarcerated. Uh, We're excited about that effort. We've got a really strong core group and we're looking forward to the future. So with that, we've got uh, one of the aspects of this uh, show that's exciting is I get to talk to another friend of ours today and we're going to interview a person who's been integral in fighting this battle for a, a strong period of time. I love this show in terms of I get to bring people in. It's my new show. And so I'm, I'm honored to have a, a friend of mine. Uh, Doug Segali is here. Doug, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for such a nice introduction. That yeah. was cool. Doug Segali is the volunteer religious coordinator at IMSI, which is many of you know who listen to this show or my voice on the radio here. I was a resident out at Max, and we briefly had a time where you were actually the VRC where I was there, correct? Correct. I was a chaplain called chaplain, a chaplain, chaplain at that time. That was chaplain. Yes, when we did chaplain duties, yes. Yeah, that was cool. I think we had you for uh, almost two months. You were kind of in between stuff, and uh, I was the librarian, and uh, Doug was the chaplain, and it was kind of nice, really, actually, for a short period of time. You're a fantasy book reader. I remember that. Yes, I used to read a lot of fantasy. <laughs> I don't want to see reality anymore after you get home. You know, like, <laughs> No news. No news. That's right. That's great. Okay, so tell me how you got into that and your background to become a chaplain. Are now a uh, volunteer religious coordinator. Well, just the usual, you know, as you go to school, you, f- you don't really know what you want to do. And I got a degree. I went to a Christian university and didn't really get into Christian work until about 10 years afterwards. And then it just it snowballed to I began working in institutions, mm-hmm. you know, with juveniles in Los Angeles and, and then juveniles here in Idaho and then going to uh, adults. And it just snowballed. You know, in 1983 was the first time I actually worked in an institution. 
been a long time. You were also, a, uh, as I recall, when I was uh, uh, incarcerated, you were a chaplain. You had a, a church, too, on Eustick? Or- yes. And then- yes, we also, um, me and a gentleman named Michael Best, you know, he was also um, worked at ISCI as mm-hmm. a uh, VRC. And we had a church, mm-hmm. and we opened it up to the community and really dealt with those also getting out of prison. And we even had a special day where we also had a day where um, – it was just for those who were accused of a sex crime. Really? And, and so okay. they can come in and not worry about, because no children were allowed at this service. So they can come in and sit freely and act freely without having to, you know, go through a process to walk into the church. Wow, but I didn't, I didn't know that. That's good. Yes. Yeah, that was fantastic. So you were like a precursor to Church of the Brethren or, or along the same lines? Is I think we're a little bit before what they used to do that, yes. How about that? I didn't know that. Yes. Gosh, this is a good thing about doing this kind of work you get to find all this stuff out fantastic good for you good for you because that's a that's a major issue for um idahoans in terms of i don't think idahoans recognize how many people who are incarcerated in the state of idaho are actually going to come out of incarceration or be returning citizens if you will with that that offense that so offense i i have read the statistics that 26 percent of the people who are incarcerated are have that status Yes, and what people don't realize, too, that there's a level of an SO offense. Exactly. I mean... And we fight over that in yes. legislature year after year after year, and it's still not solved, right? No, it is not. Uh, yeah. No, because, I mean, some some crimes, I find it amazing that you even get that label of right. a sexual offense. Exactly, you know? exactly. And then there's those we know definitely need it. Yeah, there's a certain amount of, certainly, that population that probably does need to be incarcerated and has d- difficult issues in addressing, but the person who is just that casual kind of has some, what would they would think would be consenting sex with somebody underage and has that tag for forever is is very very difficult to process throughout the society oh yeah especially and i've read i've read these you know 18 year old 19 year old and 17 year old or exactly. 16 year old and it's yeah and i mean again i'm not condoning that i was no. i know i have a, i have a 20 year old who was just perilously close to that and that was my lecture to him it's like you don't understand what's going to happen to you if this situation, oh, dad, oh, dad, you know, it's like, yeah. But so it's it's definitely an issue, and it's one of the ones that, that we're going to deal with, uh, I think, as Systemic Change of Idaho goes forward uh, to do that. So, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's fantastic. So how long have you been a, a, cha- uh, a BRC now? Keep calling a chaplain. Well, yeah, we'll start out as chaplain because yeah. things definitely um, – it's been since – Around 2001. 2001. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. So you've seen some changes in that system, certainly, over the time. Oh, definitely. There's definitely some changes. I mean, back, let's stay with IMSI. It, it used to be what you saw in the movies. It was like, you know, if someone made, you know, a little movement, there would be aggression, fights, or fights all the time with the officers. You know, it was just, there's a major different treatment. Now, there's a lot more respect both ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a totally different atmosphere. It's actually improved in that manner of a, you know, just the respect that's back and forth. Yeah. I think that's, not only is that true, but I think in terms of, let's talk about the way you're handicapped in terms of what you can present. Because again, we're on a Christian radio station. Mm-hmm. So, and you're a Christian, I know, in terms of uh, what you believe in and how you live your life. But you have to present to everyone that's in the population, uh, Whatever they believe, you have to. You're responsible to meet that need as they yes. come to you, right? And so that that makes your job very difficult, I, I would think. It does at times. Yeah. It does because, especially at Max, because you you deal with much more anger right. at the IMSI. 
But what I try to envision in my spirit and try to stay prayerful is that Christ died for everyone. Exactly. And that in that dying for us, he also gave us a choice. Mm-hmm. And these guys are choosing not to accept Christ at this moment. Right. And that's still their right as being, you know, a child of God. I mean, they're not with them yet, but they could choose. Yep. And I think that's true. That's the hardest thing for, for one of the hardest aspects for me as a Christian, too, is I go through and try. You need to be that example, but you need to recognize that absolutely everybody's in this spot where they're just not quite there yet. Yes. And so it, it becomes frustrating because those you love, you want them to say, hey, Josh, don't you see this? Don't you see the yes. peace and the understanding and the, uh, God, the way you feel where you get up in the morning like this morning? I mean, it's cold, it's yucky, and it's frozen outside yet i got to come up and i knew i was getting to see you i was excited i got up and i was motivated this was really that's my life and it's not a certainly a profitable one nor economically uh rewarding but it's very very positive in what we get to do and and we have that and other people don't so it's it's difficult and it makes a major difference i mean i think because i also was looking forward to this yeah. you know you have that little extra step because you are doing something you get to share you get to exemplify you know christ and that's something that's not allowed anymore in the position and it really isn't i know that the example too is that that you and i had with this week was last week um the little nonprofit that i'm associated with imsi hope community phase two was one of the integral parts in bringing the cookies to max and when i was at max it was because I was the librarian, they all went to education, and we divvied them up like you do mm-hmm. each holiday. And it used to be where there were homemade cookies, and yes. we would have, we'd had uh, the audience can't picture a room with twenty thousand homemade cookies with fudge and different stuff, and uh, yes. where people put their hearts and souls into the cookies that we would put in bags and then hand out to the people, uh, the inmates, and it was it was so cool. Uh, you or your predecessor, Ken Soltz or Dave Stone, and uh, would we'd sit there and at times and we'd say, "Well, those are broken, so those go in the bag here for us." Here, yes. you know, <laughs> and uh, we can't give this out. And so, but they were it was so dramatic in terms of seeing those the love that was put into those cookies. And now it still goes on, but it, it has to be store bought cookies, and it has to be store bought cookies because of. Uh, uh, security, uh, reasons, security reasons, because what can we put in or what allergies, and then there's no one that can go back to. Right. And another thing with that, when they made those homemade ones, it was awesome to see those, because sometimes they'd come out the ones who made them and hand them out. Right. And just the joy and pride in handing them out. Yeah. And it wasn't selfish. It was just like, I did this for you. Exactly. I did this because and I, I re- wanted to. And I can remember uh, one, room, uh, one Christmas where there were 20 volunteers there just with that. Excuse me, with that excitement in mm-hmm. terms of handing those things out, and the the energy in that room was something that I was growing uh, new in my Christian walk too at that point in time. But to see that, you could see the love there in terms of people fellowshipping yes. before they went out and handed those things out. And so it doesn't minimize what we did in terms of raising a lot of cookies. It was good, and we'll continue to do that. But God, it was special to see that, and it's it's changed a little bit. One time, and just to give you a quick story. We had um, some things happen, you know, which does happen sometimes at Max, and actually had the officers hand out the cookies. Yeah. And it was amazing the response of some of the officers, not all of them. They really enjoyed doing something positive. They felt it was just. Oh, that's good. They, it was exciting that. for them. And they enjoyed it. And they asked if we could do it again sometime. We never did, but they really enjoyed it that time and just. 
doing something different. Well, you know, I think, too, it's like uh, I, I've always contended on the radio and in personal life when you see me. Uh, they're very good people who work for the Department of Corrections. Yes. Uh, they really are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they get put in situations where uh, they have to react or they're trained to react a certain way. And I can always remember the motto used to be, you know, it's uh, security is never convenient. They've changed that. But that was always the mentality that we knew, and that's what they were trained to do. But there are very good people there. And if you give those people the opportunity, um, certainly they will come out. Um, it, yes, it, it, it comes out. It comes out. So maybe we should do that probably together. It was interesting to probably do that in conjunction with maybe volunteers. or uh, We should think about that for the future. Yeah, it would be something, again, like I said, they enjoyed. And what people don't understand is like most, and this is statistics that I read a couple of years ago, but just most of the people in prison, 10% maybe cause the problem. Mm-hmm. 90% really do not cause a behavior problem. But the people and the officers, when they react, have to go towards that 10% because that's where the danger lies. Mm-hmm. And that's sad because many of the 90% believe in a crazy i don't deserve this and maybe you don't but it's so tough when that 10 percent. yeah the 10 percent does make it difficult and i again i i have um I'm, i still have a, a parole officer and you have to appreciate their job i know how much yes. they make you can look online see how much they make it's not a tremendous amount of money and people uh, that are in my situation are trying to hurt them and so you get to where you react a certain way i think those of us who believe what you and I believe, we've got to open our heart to be some understanding and work with whoever we work with. And it's not, yes. just, not just this population, but it's all populations. So, it is. Yeah. We, can't, we can't show a discretion of who we deal with and how yeah. we deal with them. Yeah. Because God puts them in our life, and that's who we're supposed to be dealing exactly. with. Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. What's the future like for you in terms of what you're going to do and directions where you're going to go or anything like that? Well, I just hope to... Because um, you're a talented kind of guy, and so I... <laughs> Are you thinking about going back in? Do you want, would you like to go back and have a church again? Or do you thought about it quite a bit, and it's something that um, I just have to be ready for. I have two young children right now, so it's... I know, man. You're a lucky guy, man. Yeah, I'm blessed with that, yeah. yes. So, you know, a two-year-old and a under one, so it's a little difficult to get that going right now. But definitely church, definitely um, working really hard on some books, and again, it's... It's fantasy. It's Christian fantasy. It's not. Oh, good, good. Because that was going to be cool. Yeah, yes. So hopefully I'll get that out, one of them at least this year. So we'll get done. that would be cool. Good deal. Okay. Let's see. Anything else we need to talk about? Talk about um, the people that you work for and the direction of that group. How do you see that going? You work with a – I would – Let's give some credit to Doug for doing what he does. And there's a, almost like a small fraternity of people who do this, right? And they do yes. it unselfishly. And I think that's one of the things we need to address. They're good people. And they really do walk a fine line between what they believe and the people they serve. They're not state employees. And uh, they work for a nonprofit. Right. So let's talk about how those people work and what do you see the future for those? Where are we going to find new people like Doug Sigali, I guess? And that's um, part of, like I said, it's almost like a fraternity kind of get, you know, recycled. But Three Oaks does a very good job of they never back down to saying they're they're a Christian organization. They never do, even to the state. We're right. a Christian organization. and But that is a fine line because there is some rules that has to be followed. And there's some gray areas that, guess what, put a room full of Christians together. We're going to agree on every little gray area. No, we're not. And that's something that just Three Oaks has always done really well just staying focused and moving forward, you know, and dealing with those gray areas, and here's how we're going to deal with it, and this is where we're going to move forward. And they just got the new contract, too, so you guys are going to be around for a while in terms yes. of to Tell me whether one of the things that I've always thought, and uh, will there be an opportunity in that fraternity, this will, for somebody that's been incarcerated to be in that spot, you think? 
I don't see it's it's not a question of Three Oaks wanting that. Mm-hmm. It's whether the department will accept that. Mm-hmm. That is the whole key, because mm-hmm. Three Oaks has no discrimination about that because they want who can do the job. Who, so that, it takes a heart. It, it takes it hard really to does. Do it. it really does. It really does. But I think there are people who we both know that potentially might want to do that. Mm-hmm. And so yes. uh, I think what we need to do, especially in this situation, is to help people that have that heart. If you feel that need or that energy and you want to challenge that, <coughs> excuse me, let's, let us know and we'll kind of push for that. Because I, I think uh, in many ways when we work with addiction and stuff like that, that's it's powerful because I've been there and we're doing that. We've made some inroads with like recovery coaches with the Department of Health and Welfare. And I think the new director, uh, Henry, might be open to those kinds of th- situations for the yeah. right people. So we should just press for that. And so when, if you're out there and you're listening to my voice or to Doug's voice and you have a heart to do what he does and you've been incarcerated, hey, let, come forward and let us know. You can contact Mark here at the station or you can go through my nonprofit at IMSI Hope Community Phase 2 and call us on that number. That number is... Uh, uh, 629-8861. Leave us a message. If that's something you want to do, uh, let us know. So, Because I think that's the next kind of hurdle. That's the glass ceiling that I'd love to break in terms of having that situation because you are working for a nonprofit. And I think the department's made some strides under Director Kempf, and I think they will continue to make some strides under Henry so that uh, maybe that's the next kind of step up because you guys need some support. Definitely. And it helps when you have a pool to draw from. Because there's many that are willing, but they don't understand what it is to be inside. Mm-hmm. And once again, inside, sometimes that spirit gets sapped out of them. Yep, exactly. Yep. And I think that's exactly what, again, what Systemic Change of Idaho is attempting to do is to take people who have been incarcerated and make them advocates, train them yes. in terms of speakers as they go out and talk to people in the community. Because our our task, if you will, is massive in terms of educating Idaho on what it's like to be incarcerated and as they come out, the difficulties that we have uh, on parole and with that felony conviction and what we need to do to effectively blend back in. We like to call them returning citizens as a because we were trained that we were offenders on the inside. That was the term that we had. Uh, but returning citizens probably a little bit better kind of way to approach that and to hold dialogue. So, And, again, this is long time since I've been looking at the statistics, but the, for those in Idaho, because we're such a, a law in state, you know, pushing it and very strict on it, we were number two in the nation years ago, which, which had males incarcerated, in, in population, we are number we are number two in terms Still? of the nations. It's a per capita we incarcerate the we're the second highest incarceration behind Georgia, in a nation that incarcerates twenty five percent of the world's population. So, people yes. who are populated who are incarcerated twenty five percent of those people live in the United States, and Idaho is the second highest per capita incarceration state of all the fifty states. So you're right, we do have massive amount of work to do. So then, if you look at a normal neighborhood and you look down your block of twenty to thirty houses. What's the possibility you're living next to somebody you're who's absolutely, been there? You're absolutely living there. Yes. So, and so the point being in terms of what we're attempting to do is to bring that to the focus. And let's just you and I, and, and I think it's more me than it is you. I need to stand up and say, hey, you know what? I was in prison. And guess what? I'm okay. I'm your neighbor. I still pay taxes. I work. I'm a nice guy. I mow my lawn. I shovel my snow, et cetera, et cetera. And understand that and to be proud of it. Some ways there's a similar kind of situation going forth with uh, people who are in long-term recovery to stand up and say, yeah, I'm in long-term recovery. There's 39 million of us in terms of the nation. So it's the same kind of format that we're attempting to build up. And so 
be proud, not so much be proud of that conviction, but not back away from it and say, yes, I was incarcerated. And yes, I am a member, a viable part of this community. And to come forward, that reduces the stigma. So that's me lecturing, Doug. I apologize. No, that's fine. Let me just turn it and ask you a question then. Do you feel sometimes the pressure of being that perfect citizen or that perfect neighbor just because of having been an offender? No, not at all. That's where my Christianity comes through. I'm a Christian, so I don't have any problems with that at all. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. And so I – but I do believe in being as that Christian. I need to live my life in that I'm open and honest with absolutely everything I attempt to do. People – I think people, it's uncomfortable for people to be so honest about their lives. And, but true, good Christians tend to have a tendency to be that way. Yes. I get challenged by my best friends in terms of, what do you think when you said that? Or, what, what, you know, what did you, what did you put on that social media thing? So that's the way it should be because that's what you're supposed to do. That's a good Christian. So. Yeah, I agree. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't get my snow done sometimes. And I, just wanted, you know, <laughs> I love it. Hey, listen, thank you, Doug, for coming in. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Thank it you. was. We'll thank you for having me. Oh, it'll be fun. And like I said, be surprised. You're going to get all sorts of kites now, people, from uh, your institution. <laughs> say, hey, I heard you on the radio with that crazy, goofy guy. It is. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Doug Sagali. I want to thank Doug Sigali again for coming in this afternoon. It's important to kind of highlight some of the people who have been doing this work here on su- for such a long period of time. I appreciate him. I'm fortunate to have people in my life that I get to bring in and who have been mentors to me, people who uh, I look up to, and Doug is certainly one of those people. I really do appreciate him coming in. Again, I want to emphasize, as I've done throughout the show, that this is this is your show. We intend to be here for a long period of time. There are issues you think we need to be working on in terms of affecting change for those of us who have been incarcerated and who have are now attempting to make it. Let us know. Uh, go to the website at Systemic Change of Idaho. There's a telephone number in there. Leave us a message. Come by the Peer Wellness Center and drop in. Leave us a message there for Tony or myself, usually if one of us Sometimes some, some, both of us are there, but stop by and say hi. Leave us a message or leave us uh, an email. Go to our website and you'll see the email address there. Or give us a call at my nonprofit. You can always call me at area code 208-629-8861. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to Victory Over Sin with Mark Rennick. If you'd like to hear more, find him on our archive page at 941thevoice.com. 